Welcome to the Rebel Educator Podcast, where we work to amplify the voices and ideas of changemakers in education. We talk with students, educators, and thought leaders who are questioning the status quo and resisting tradition in education. So welcome Rebel Educators to this episode of the Rebel Educator Podcast. Welcome Rebel Educators. I'm here today with Ella Wang. Her name is Yi Xiu, but everyone knows her as Ella. As an East Asian immigrant, she's faced many struggles, including language barriers, financial difficulties, self-esteem and discrimination challenges, and a loss of identity. But one thing that never changed was her passion for traditional instrumental music. It's what motivated her to keep improving and believing in the present and the future. Today, with a combination of hard work, a supportive network, and a hint of luck, she is an accomplished international music performer, speaker, and social entrepreneur. Welcome, Ella. Hi, thank you so much for having me. She is also a recent high school graduate. So what does it feel like to complete that milestone and what do you have planned next? I think on one hand, it's a huge relief to get that off my shoulder. But on the other hand, I'm a little bit nervous heading into university. Yeah, I think I would have described leaving high school as a huge relief as well. I found it fraught with difficulties and lots of boredom in my case. Um, But share a little about your experience. Was your experience in school always positive? My experience in school was pre-mixed. I think at the beginning, I was a little bit bored of school, I think. Since I immigrated here from China at first, language barrier was a big thing, and I found that really challenging for me. I had a tough time keeping up in school because I couldn't understand what everybody else was saying, to the point where I kind of just gave up and became so bored at school that I didn't even want to try. But um, I think gradually, as I learned more English and actually put some work into, I guess, learning the language and the culture here, I became better at school, and I think that just gave me a sense of motivation that, yes, hard work pays off and that I can continue working on this. So I think now I generally view education from a positive perspective, and I think that learning is definitely a very challenging but fun experience. Did you find much of a Chinese community when you moved that you were able to find support and help for the challenges you were facing? When I first moved here, I was in a primarily white neighborhood, but my aunt is around here. She's not in the same city, but she lives around here. So she kind of showed us the Chinese supermarket there and also Chinatown was nearby. So I think that was a huge, huge support when I first moved here. How do you think the school system could have been more supportive of students? You know, not only yourself coming in with English as a second language, but I'm sure there were other students coming from other places who were also having similar difficulties with not understanding English, but being really smart and motivated students who would understand the material, just not understanding the language it was presented in. So back to the original question, how how do you think the school system could have supported that a little more strongly or a little better? I think because I moved in to a neighborhood that was primarily white, I was actually one of the only Asian people there and one of the only people that needed ESL. In my entire school, there wasn't a second person who needed language support. So my school didn't have an ESL program in general. 
And I think it makes sense in terms of efficiency that just because there's one person, it wouldn't make sense to dedicate an entire teacher or team to it. On the other hand, of equity, it doesn't really make sense that you would leave one person behind. So I think in the end, having an ESL program would definitely help. But even having something smaller, like having a teacher who can come and talk to you at lunch or just help support you one-on-one with homework, with assignments, or even just pulling up Google Translate at that point would be a really big help. I think my school didn't end up having that and it ended up shutting down in 2013 or 14 because problems with its policies. But I, I think that um, it was definitely something that I learned a lot from just being submerged in a completely English environment. Yeah. I mean, I do definitely see the value of what I'm going to call an English immersion program for you. (laughs) As I've done a similar thing with my children, I put them in a fully Chinese preschool and Chinese afterschool program that was a full immersion. And so they walked in and everything was in Chinese, all of the language, all of the teachers didn't speak English, all of the, you know, the signs, the organization, everything was in Chinese. And so They definitely struggled with that in the beginning, but did still have the opportunity that there were several people who spoke English and they could help and they could support. And I'm going to guess in your primarily white community with no ESL program that there was nobody to even give small translations of the language for you in those early days. Yeah. I definitely see the importance of being emerged in that culture and emerged in that language. I think you tend to pick it up faster because you're constantly learning it, even though you're not really like putting in the effort. But on the other hand, I think it would have provided some comfort if I had someone to like talk to, like, hey, can I get like a drink? Where can I find the bathroom? Or like, what time is it right now? Because I think it's those little things that I wanted to ask that I couldn't have found anyone to ask. But um, on the other hand, I think I am definitely very grateful to have an environment where people, for the most part, were very supportive. You definitely have a positive outlook on it. Yeah, I try my best to be positive. Yes. What are you looking forward to most moving forward? Kind of what are the differences between high school education and higher education that you're excited about, you know, moving into higher education now? I think the biggest difference I see is the level of independence we will have. In high school, it's very much guided. We have courses, basically the same every day. The teacher comes, tells you what we're doing, what you should be studying. Here are the worksheets you're working on. Basically, it lies everything out for you as a guideline. And you just have to follow what the teacher says to be able to get a fairly decent mark on a test. And plus, when I come home, I have my parents to support me. And it's just really nice to have a sort of an environment where everybody is helping you and everybody is giving you that sense of support. But moving into university, there will be a lot less of that from what I've heard. But um, on the other hand, I think it definitely is a challenge where I had to develop my own sense of responsibility and my own skills, which is all my own. And that could be a challenge. But on the other hand, it definitely gives me more freedom and more opportunity to express myself as who I am and also to kind of develop my own sense of what's my learning style or what does my day-to-day look like or what kind of just works best for me. Is there anything that you would change about the current educational system or about your experience to help set you up for success in this next phase? One thing that I would like to see more is 
different programs in university and just being more inclusive of different cultures and different backgrounds. For instance, I wanted to study music in university, but um, they only had the standard Western staff um, theory and that there wasn't um, a theory that I grew up learning, which was the number notation theory. That theory is widely used not only in China, but in a lot of East Asian countries as well. And I think there is a pretty big population of Asian people from just at least where I am in the GTA, Greater Toronto area. So I think it would be helpful to see more of that. Having a different option to not only learn just language or learn music from one perspective, but to learn it from a lot of different perspectives as well. So how did your passion for traditional instrumental music start? Oh, this is actually quite a funny story. So uh, when I was little, according to my mom, I was fine. According to my dad, when I was four, and I have zero memory, but I was pretty little. And um, we were just going through a random music store. And my mom just said, like, hey, here's just like a music store right down the street. You want to just go and see what instrument piques your interest? So I kind of just went there. There were a ton of instruments. Some were traditional instruments. Some were Western instruments. And then um, for my instrument, they had like those cool nails that you put on to pluck the strings. So I saw those nails and I thought those nails looked like super cool. And I was like, you know what? I just want those nails. And if I said I want to learn this instrument, I'll get these nails. So I decided to basically play the instrument for the nails. <laughs> and how did you find a teacher? How was your musical journey? When I first started learning my traditional Chinese music in China, it was quite easy to find a teacher. Um, my instrument is called the guzheng, which is pretty popular in China. I think it would be like the Chinese equivalent of a piano in terms of popularity. So there were a lot of teachers in China, and I kind of got like my choice to like choose around for a bit to find which one suits my style the most. But um, when I came to Canada, it was a struggle to find any teacher who could teach this. So although I did have a teacher, I didn't really get the opportunity to visit her a lot just because we lived so far apart. And um, I kind of resorted to finding resources online to learn from, just online resources, website, courses. And my grandma was sometimes shit me those like really thick books from China so I can like read them on my own time as well. So it sounds like you're almost primarily self-taught using YouTube videos and musical books and occasional lessons when you could find the time and have the ability to get to see an instructor. It sounds pretty extraordinary that you would rise to become an accomplished international performer who's primarily self-taught. Yeah, I think teaching myself a lot of these processes, not that my teachers didn't help, they definitely did help me enormously throughout the way. But I think um, doing this myself kind of gave me a sense of purpose and a sense of that I'm not doing this because my parents want to or because my teacher wants to or not because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But it's something that I'm doing and that I have full control over this. And just having that sense of feeling that this is my thing and that this is I'm, that I'm doing this because, well, because I want to and because that I'm doing this for myself and nobody else. That really helped push me in the right direction. I felt like I didn't have to study this if I don't want to. And that if I didn't want to practice today, I can just take a break because there's nobody who's telling me like, you got to practice every day. 
And I feel like having that sort of freedom almost gave me a sense of responsibility in my life on that I should be doing this, not that because I have to. And I think that also kind of built up my performance ethics and how I would kind of show up to performances on time, do my practices every time without having somebody to constantly chase me down every time. And plus, this is like on the side, but I think um, being able to speak Chinese and English fluently also definitely gave me an edge. Has that trickled over into other areas of your life? You know, this ability to learn on your own, to have that perseverance, to really have an interest and know that this is something that you want to do and you want to move forward and you want to learn. Are there other areas where you've taken what you've learned from learning music and used in other aspects of your life? Yeah, definitely. Because having that sense of self-responsibility and that sense of initiative really helps me in a lot of other areas. For instance, learning English at first. I didn't have an ESL program or anybody around me who could really help me since my parents didn't speak English much either. And I think being able to just really do that myself really led me to where I am today to be able to speak with other people. And I think that been a huge part of my past success, and I hope that it will continue to bring my future success as well. So can you tell me a little bit about your work as a social entrepreneur? Yeah, I first started primarily with music just because it was something that I was most familiar with. And then um, I branched out with speaking and I did a few hackathons and seen for a few events and then started posting on LinkedIn. I was kind of all over the place, I guess, because I just wasn't really sure what I want to do in the future. And I think bouncing around and trying all these different areas definitely helped me consolidate what I want to do next. And what does that future look like? What do you want to do next? I know you're working in an internship right now and about to start your college career. So what is that path from social entrepreneurship and the future? Where does that lead you? What is your mission at this point in life? Oh, that's hard to say. <laughs> Since I think there's just so much I'm interested in. But right now, I, I want to try my best to you know, um, what I can. Maybe it's my talent. Maybe it's just my voice or even it's people that I know, like my network. I want to be able to utilize all that resources to my potential and also to try to create a positive impact for others in my life. That's a great answer. <laughs> That's very vague, but yeah. <laughs> vague, but also pointed like you know that you want to make an impact and I've heard you talk about how it would be great if we could learn lots of things from different perspectives and you're bringing all of these different perspectives that you've had already in life together and it'll be really fun to see how you meld all of those interests or which one takes the focus more immediately as you move forward yeah so can you share a story and lots of my guests are quite a bit older than you. So sometimes this is difficult for them. You're a little closer to your elementary school years. But can you share a story that you remember from your elementary school years? Yeah, this is a funny story. But when I was just learning English, I kind of had a little sense of what like everything meant, but not exactly what everything meant. And so I thought I knew, but I guess I didn't really know. And quite a few comical things happened. When I was um, playing outside in the snow at recess with my friend, a lunchroom supervisor came and told us that it was too cold today and that we can't stay outside for too long. So we need to go back. 
And by go back, she probably meant to go back into the building, which is what everybody understood her as. But I understood her as going physically backwards. So um, while everybody was heading into the building, I just started walking backwards. And I was glancing around like, why is everybody walking forwards? We are supposed to go backwards. So I just kept on walking backwards. And then the one she supervisor started cracking her hands. And then she was waving her hands. She was yelling at me. She's like, come on, let's go back. Come on, let's go. And then I was like, should I walk faster? So I started running backwards. And then, and then she was like, can you go back now, please? I'm like, yes, I am going back. And then uh, I basically just stood there in the snow while she was like very confused at what I was doing. And she thought I was doing it on purpose. Well, I thought that I was kind of listening to what she said. And that continued until um, one of my classmates actually noticed that I was actually physically walking backwards from the window and came outside to call me to actually go in. And I think that's pretty funny to think about now looking back. But back then, I was very, very embarrassed that it happened that I guess I couldn't really understand what she meant by going back. And that kind of also gave me, I guess, the motivation to actually start learning English. At first, it was because that I didn't want to continue to embarrass myself in the future. But I think that kind of just grown. And then I started really taking initiative to learn English. I borrowed toddler books. I listened to some podcasts. Very easy one. I also read some comic books and I copied down words that I don't know in like a little notebook and I took it with me. I also made a few flashcards. And I think that really compiled up together to like the point where I think I am today. So that was a very comical story, but embarrassing at the moment. But I think it was definitely a key moment where I learned that I have to actually start taking initiative and do what I'm supposed to do instead of just thinking that, oh, like, I'm like, I can understand something, so I'm probably good enough. What a great example of misunderstanding where both parties have the best intentions. (laughs) (laughs) Where they're just trying to keep you warm and bring you inside and you're going, no, I'm going backwards like you asked. I'm doing exactly what you wanted. Yeah. (laughs) And all of your examples of ways that you learned, like you put so much energy and positivity into figuring out how you learn best and creating so many different methods of learning the language, which I'm sure has helped you learn lots of other things throughout the years as well. Yeah, I think it definitely helped me find my learning style as well. Mm -hmm. So how can people reach out and get in touch with you? I'm generally pretty good over LinkedIn. I think you can probably just search me up on LinkedIn. And email is also pretty good as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. I love hearing your story. It's always great for our rebel educators to hear from more of a student perspective and someone who's a lot closer to education, as well as when we talk to educators and thought leaders. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. And I appreciate your time. Thanks, Ella. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Rebel Educator Podcast. I'd invite you to check out rebeleducator.com where you can see all of our upcoming workshops, webinars, and professional development opportunities. Upacademysf.com where you can see our current progressive elementary school in action. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review and rate our show so that others can find it and love us too. Keep resisting tradition, Rebel Educators.